Namaste everyone. Welcome to the Charvak Podcast. This is your host Kushal Mehra. So I've had discussions about the Congress. Um, how should I say, from a BJP perspective, many times on the podcast. But uh, I'll be beginning today's podcast by admitting my guilt. That I was always feeling guilty that I never discussed Congress from a Congress perspective. And uh, recently, I uh, I came across Anil on Twitter. Uh, uh, I, I, I should say I should not have come across Anil on Twitter in that way. But uh, so long story short, I saw a resignation letter. And I saw uh, Anil resigning uh, from certain posts uh, inside the Congress party. And uh, uh, then I found out that Anil is also a friend of, uh, a dear friend of mine, Abhijit Mitra. And as soon as I saw that, uh, I told Ajit, to Abhijit that I want to talk because I think I'm guilty of never understanding Congress from a person who I, I, I can still call you an insider, right? In that mm. sense. As seen, I would say like I've seen the Congress for my entire life. But then how much of an insider it is, is not something which I can say. Yeah. yeah. So, but uh, Anil, first of all, thank you very much for agreeing no, to do this. It's a pleasure I, I, being here. Thank you. I, I really appreciate you doing this because you know what happens is everybody, look, I've never hidden my political leaning. I, I've never hidden it mm-hmm. I, because I feel it's it's the right thing to do when you start a podcast or you start any kind of content or pro- production mm-hmm. that you go and tell people that this is where you stand politically. But I have never shied away from, uh, you know, many criticisms of the BJP either. But I, I'm really grateful to you that you have agreed to come and speak with me because basically the title of this podcast is going to be what is wrong with the Congress. And I say this as a concerned Indian citizen, not as someone who votes for the BJP. I care for my country more than I care for BJP. So, Anil, what is wrong with the Congress? (laughs) So, to be very honest, um, first of all, thank you for having me into this show. And just like what you said about your party and more than the party, your concern is about the country. I also have been in the Congress for um, ever since I was born. I'm born into a Congress family. My father, um, he uh, retired from parliamentary politics this year after 52 years. He he is still in the Congress party for over 60, 65 years. So ever since I was born, I've been seeing the functioning of the Congress. Like I've been born into a Congress setup and I've seen, seen it. But despite all that, I do think that my primary loyalty, my primary interest is the country. And I do feel that in the last few years, we are going in a tangent, which I would say is not really aligned to this country's political consciousness. And a few of us have been trying to do something about it. Even many stalwart Congress leaders who have been in this party for four or five decades, six decades, even many promising young people in the party who um, some of them sadly left. There are some who are still remaining. They're all been trying to course correct. But sadly, in the recent times, you are not really seeing that course correction. And things are not at the best of shapes. I wouldn't say the headline should be what is wrong with the Congress because I don't know. Like, let's say you are the editor. It's up to you to choose. But So what are... is right with the Congress then? <laughs> so, I guess I can ask that question. Then. <laughs> see, the Congress party, like I said, like I was born in this setup, like I've been seeing it since I'm a kid. And I do think that in the last 75 years, in that 75 years, 55 or 75 years, the Congress had governed this country. And unlike what many people in the ruling establishment still say, I wouldn't say that everything that happened in the last 75 years is bad. The no, hour, no, I think so. In our 55 years also, and even non-Congress, non-BJP prime ministers also had come. There are many of and personally, I do think that from the time of independence, our country's trajectory had been overall in a forward positive direction. Sometimes the magnitude has changed over time, but overall it has come up, it has risen steadily. And the party, the Congress party, and I would say every prime minister of ours had some something to do with that. But again, there are positives and negatives, and we have contributed also in the building of this nation to what it is. So it is a reality. But then, like I said, at certain point, the consciousness of the country also started evolving. Right now, we are a very young country. Our median age is, I think, around 28 or 29. I do believe that 
almost one third of our country is under 18 i think almost 65% is under 40 and in the you are seeing changes in that population especially the young population i do believe that they are very aspirational uh, set of people and currently i seriously doubt if the current narrations and the, what the congress party stand for is appealing to that aspirational india and this is something which has been bothering me for a while people including me even many stalwarts including many of my contemporaries we all tried our own way to course correct but sadly that course correction is not happening and finally it reached a point where i do think that so i wrote it in my resignation letter also where i i did think that let's say in the last especially in the last 3 4 5 years our narrations are becoming more and more negative and it is becoming more and more in a direction which is against this country's political consciousness and sometimes even against our national interests and i do felt especially as a part of the communication cell that this is not something which i can keep doing and that uh, that let's say uh, took made me take a stance which i would say in my whole life i never imagined i would take so on a very serious note did it hurt i was not very happy about it definitely this is not something which i have been looking forward to any point of my life but sometimes when you feel that you are not fitting in somewhere and you feel that you could do something else sometimes it is better to follow your own convictions which is what i believe i did so you said the congress politics is not in the national interest in the last few years so so what exactly do you mean by that see i am not saying everything but i do feel that let's say certain narrations have some core fundamental i would say flaws uh, like as a uh, for example uh, from uh, 91 91 was one of the watershed moments of indian history also where uh, one of our um, narasimha rao ji opened up india's econ- economy and then from then the uh, let's say i would say the real one of the inherent potential of indian economy was unleashed from that year till then like as a from the time of independence i would say that our trajectory was always upwards except two or three years uh, where we did have certain um, disruptions but overall it was always upwards but the real potential i would say was slowly unleashed after 91 and that is what kind of gave the engine for india to be one of the economic powers which we are right now but 30 years down the line like we are i would say the congress party has a huge role in what happened in 91 but i do feel that 30 years down the line we are still refusing to own the fact that we actually did it we are still trying to create a narration of what happened many years back where we still believe in certain economic policies which i don't think really appeals to the vast majority of the country nor the aspirational india so this is something which i do thing is happening even when we look at our core security interest when when it comes to uh, let's say our relationship with many of our neighboring countries or uh, even some of the other big geopolitical powers like let's say sometimes i do feel that the decisions are whatever we are standing for sometimes i do feel that whatever we are standing for is just something which is against what the government is standing for because finally we have reached a stage where our core narration is like like i myself admit like in the last 75 years we have done a lot of great things but you can't just focus on what we have done in the past and just focus on the negativities that are happening right now you need a alternative narration which i don't see is happening in the congress and that is a reality so what do you make of this uh, criticism of the congress party that has often been hurled at them that uh, they are against uh, the cultural consciousness of india see cultural political like the country has like overall i would say this is country like we we have 1.4 billion people uh, we are right now one of, one of the top two most populous countries in the world and i do think that in this country one of our biggest strengths is actually our diversity where there are 29 different states in each state we have different languages sub uh, culture sub languages all this is a part of india however overall if you look at 
the entire country i do think that there is a certain sentiment there is a certain political consciousness economic consciousness social consciousness cultural consciousness and sometimes um i do think that this itself is a country that is uh, re um let's say it's rediscovering what we rediscovering our past and we are rediscovering a lot of our uh, heritage our civilizational heritage cultural heritage etc which over the colonial period was tampered down by because of many reasons and we are rediscovering that and sometimes this is all a part of trajectories but do many of the parties actually are they in uh, lines with many of these trajectories i don't know for example like even the congress like sometimes this is why i keep saying like many of our narrations we are still clinging on to some of the many of our past perceptions and beliefs which over a period of time has changed right now this is a young country where almost 50% is under 27 is a very young country 65% is under 40 and we are not able to connect to that particular population because we are failing to understand the shift in this consciousness and and what do you make of this like i often hear this criticism of the congress too uh a lot of times people say that if you look at the policies of the muslim league if i was to say and then you look at the policies that the congress proposed proposes or supports and i often see that people say well you know there is nothing now that differentiates the congress and the muslim league and the muslim league went with the pakistani indian separation mm-hmm. right why would you say that like i would like to hear your view more before i can okay fair opinion. enough so uh sometimes the congress comes off as that it's proposing policies that are for the balkanization of india which was the stand of the muslim league sometimes the congress proposes policies that uh, i mean i want to use a very accurate word it is not it is antagonizing towards the majority population of this country look i don't believe in any look I, my brain functions like this i don't look at groups i look at individuals for me we're all minorities right we are all individuals first and mm-hmm. then we are secondarily a uh, part of a religious group or a gender group a gender group or or whatever group mm-hmm. forming we want to have as per our you know inclinations but the the primary lens with which congress shaped this country's politics was the opposite it was groups first individuals after and i'm saying bjp is also pretty guilty of that i mm-hmm. i let me put that on the record i think but the reason is that the the essence of india after independence and and it is a lot to do with the partition we cannot ignore the baggage of partition mm-hmm. in indian politics i know people tend to uh, just you know waltz over it no your it, it, your destiny was shaped by a cataclysmic event that mm-hmm. happened in 1947 where basically our landmass was cut mm-hmm. and we we there were clearly people who believed hindus and muslims were two separate nations i didn't say that jinnah mm. said that mm. it's not like i came up with that word jinnah came up with that word and when you see congress sometimes aligning with that mindset that hurts a lot of people now your expression says where did we send this message but see this is mm. why it is so important that people like you and i talk mm. but don't you think we just maybe this is one of the reasons that congress has lost the perception battle that they are being perceived as the muslim league see here let's say i would disagree on many of the things you said but i do understand where many of your thoughts come from also like for example i do agree with and it's a very complex conversation i understand that uh, and sometimes a lot of things depend on perceptions and where different people come from also like i come from kerala where i do understand that the social systems are very different than let's say in punjab or many of the area or in bengal or many of the areas where the wounds of the partition was very yeah, deep especially in punjabi uh, so uh, let's say um, see when when we look at um, the religious aspects uh, let's say islam as a religion in north india most of north india it came through conquest through the sword etc well let's say from kerala where i came from like came through trade and it mainly came through trade so things are let's say even a lot of things including social harmony etc in kerala is very different than let's say many other parts of 
the north because of how certain things are perceived so this is one aspect to it the second is let's say even the partition it is something which i do think that it was something which again i don't know what would how the country would have been if everything was together like i haven't really i don't know but yeah at I mean, least we should not even think about that <laughs> yeah <laughs> but but still i do think that let's say geopolitically like what happened for india was a huge loss like finally let's say an entity which was from iran all the way to that side it would have been a very much more relevant geopolitical entity in this planet that is something which i really do think so that is but again what the social dynamics would be i don't know and then let's say um let's say uh then the questions of congresses and why certain policies happen during time so after 2014 elections like my dad had given a report i committee report in which he had said very clearly that finally um let's say we can only protect the minorities if majority also is on board like end of the day you need to ensure that this country has social harmony this is a country where like you rightly said everybody is a minority in some manner or the other like even like dr shashitharu wrote in one of his books you go to kerala like a brahmin in kerala or a hindu in kerala will actually identify himself more with a christian or a muslim in kerala than let's say a brahmin in Kashmir north india yeah because there are it's a very complex social dynamics where every a lot of things from religion uh, to it's not just religion like finally your lang- language your culture your food habits so yeah, many food things are, matter a lot so so many things matter and so it's a very like i would say like everybody in india is a minority in some manner or the other and that is what india is so finally but still there are some wounds which are deep and there are some there are some negativities which exist between certain religions as well as various caste and various communities which has evolved over time and which stays and this is what i do think i do i am not like a expert in these matters but these are some of my fundamental understandings and this has happened over time so after partition see at that point of time people criticize pandit nehru quite a lot but let's say on many issues but sometimes i do also understand like why historically he took certain decisions in the government because immediately after partition already some deep wounds happened and then certain people actually decided to stay in this country they actually had a option to go but they didn't and they stayed in so at that point it was important that they were actually protected and that is what the congress did at that point of time so maybe at that point of time some concerted effort was made to ensure that they feel safe in the country and that was done i don't think there is anything wrong in that also however you are very right and that is finally you can't protect the minority by eliminating the majority and we need to understand 80% of the country actually belong to one particular religion and you cannot suppress them you cannot suppress them culturally you cannot suppress them you cannot create a narration that this has to be done so that somebody else have to be happy so that cannot happen like finally everybody needs to coexist together without let's say suppressing anybody's culturally or socially or economically whatever it is and that is the only way we can move forward so so just for the record if anybody was wondering the 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 report he uh, talked about is the famous ak anthony report which yes. was after the the first uh, 2014 election mm. but let me give you a very specific example because i think that example is very important when in the 1950s the hindu code bill was passed mm-hmm. you know there was this there's a very famous academic paper that talks about the discussions that went that's actually the discussions on the hindu code bill were happening before the mm-hmm. independence uh, mm. was given to india and pakistan both and it was a serious discussion that happened and it eventually culminated into what whatever has culminated today but the point my point is that uh, you know 
that discussion happened and the hindu code bill was passed and the hindu society accepted it mm-hmm. today the directive principles of the constitution clearly say mm-hmm. that we should aspire to have a uniform civil code the indian state should have a uniform civil code mm-hmm. but having said that even after having a uniform civil code mentioned in the directive principles we don't have it in this country mm-hmm. and then you see the plight i don't know how to say it i say call it the plight of eight to 9 crore muslim women hmm. no these are and and hmm. by the way divorce laws are horrible not just in muslim hmm. communities i i'll say it very openly the parsi community has hmm. horrifying divorce laws the christian community hmm. divorce laws the christian divorce laws are probably per capita the worst in this country hmm. and if this is this should have been the plank of the congress right the congress in the eyes of the global intelligentsia hmm. is the liberal party of india since when did liberalism become so, anti women so this is like i think we share the same sentiments like finally i don't think any of the laws in this country should be based on any religious text it should be based on the constitution of india and and every sin- single indian citizen irrespective of their religion or caste or creed or gender etc etc should all be subjected to uniform laws i don't think there is anything wrong in that and i think that should be how things should be you But, know sometimes it's actually i say this in a joking manner to my friends like bjp was the congress the congress should have mm-hmm. been <laughs> a lot of things let's say parties themselves evolve over time in their own manner like for example and i still remember the amadmi party when they started like the first two three years they were a completely yeah. activist um, kind of organization which evolved into like a properly said organization that later started focusing on governance even bjp's trajectory i do remember that in the 80s um the party stood for gandhian socialism they, they still do the constitution still says so, that yes so finally a lot of parties like over a period of time do experiment with different political philosophies before finally focusing on somewhere where they are comfortable with and where they can get their mass movements going like, like, just for the record like the people don't realize that the swadeshi jagran manch uh, uh, which is yeah. uh, uh, arm of the rss the economic wing or something of that sort you know they have extremely socialistic views and mm, yes. i mean i can't relate to it personally so this is why i said like let's say the country's political consciousness especially the economic consciousness yeah. i'll say especially after 91 has started changing quite a lot and now is an aspirational india and you need to actually have certain kind of economic thoughts also which is actually catering to that particular india and this is where i do feel that this is one of the aspects where i feel that the congress sadly for me is refusing to own the fact that we are responsible for some of these most important milestone changes there which um unleash india's economic potential but we are refusing to own that because of let's say we clinging to certain other ideological preferences we have from the past from which we don't want to but but uh, change aren't there discussions inside the party that why are we doing this why can't we change like is there no internal churn no i'm sure discussions keep happening there was uh, a few days back also there was a uh, there was a conclave like there was on uh, the uh, plenary that happened um, there was an economic committee also there was a foreign policy committee also these discussions happen but with time i do feel that sometimes uh, over time it has become an echo chamber where the possibilities of debates or discussions the same manner we used to do many years back has ceased to exist where I, again today morning i was reading in one of the malayalam papers on the last i think it was 2000 where uh, when mrs gandhi became the president for the and the conclave after that where there was an economic plan which is uh which which is put forward by two stalwarts like one was uh, mr pranab mukherjee along with mr arjun singh and then you actually had a counter plan which was actually uh, proposed by mr rajesh pilot and somebody else so you actually had very tall leaders who actually used to put in many diverse views and they used to discuss and debate over it before coming to a final uh, draft but this time i seriously doubt if there were any counter views nor do i seriously think if there were any animated discussions on what kind of directions the party needs to take now it is more 
that's it you are just going with the flow yeah but where is the flow coming from like the flow has to be guided right there has to be some guiding principle which says we are going here who who does that then so this is exactly some of the reasons i said like in the last few years especially i am a i do feel that when you compare with the country's demographics i would say that i am also like a young indian and i don't have been <laughs> and uh, let's say you are seeing um uh some of the elections i have watched closely like there was 2014 19 now 24 is coming and you look from 2014 where we actually had our worst uh, defeat in independent history where the party only had 44 seats the previous lowest was in the hundreds got it um then you had 2019 where you had 52 seats i don't know what is going to happen in 2024 but from 2014 how much have we evolved after that historic failure like we haven't evolved much at all i would say like as far as any of our policies are concerned nor any of our directions are concerned we are trying to do the same thing again and again and like what uh, einstein once said like you try to do the same thing again and again like and you expect a different result like it just just won't happen but why wow. <laughs> this this is mind blowing to me like if you look at it from a corporate principles perspective and if you are selling a product and that product keeps failing time and again and the company still keeps pumping in money in it again and again eventually the ceo is going to be sacked i don't know how else to say this but then again uh, let's say if you are the like so this is where sometimes there are a lot of other aspects including responsibility accountability and so on and i don't know if the current setup has any of those things or else like after 2014 after 2019 some kind of change would have been there but we are not seeing the change and this is what is making a lot of people disillusioned uh so there was a um, like many senior leaders when they left from uh, so when mr gulab nabi azad when he left he wrote a very scathing letter against the leadership and left and there were two three pages in it and i could tell that a large number of people from 29 states many leaders many workers they all resonated with a lot of things he said like even when i resigned and went i had calls from almost all the states in this country 29 states i had people including senior people including many people who had held very um like many prime governmental roles across states many other workers many people had called me and they all shared certain amount of uh, dissatisfaction as well as disappointment with how things are evolving because uh, in the recent times there was a yatra there was the bharat jodo yatra I, like i do think that it was commendable that he walked 4000 kilometers from kanyakumari to kashmir um but one of the things many people who are involved with the a uh, particular exercise they were saying that we are not really concerned about winning elections this is not about winning elections we are trying to transform the country but then i do think that political change can only be brought about by yeah. having executive power unless you have governmental power a political party cannot won't be able to transform anything finally there is a huge difference between a political party and an like an ngo or a social organization is the congress do you think planning to become an ngo eventually <laughs> so i don't know so this is something else which people including me were wondering at that point of time like again i don't want to name people but again the more and more people who are joining us they all have certain kind of background who have been in various think tanks and ngos etc for decades and suddenly these are the most prominent people who are joining our organization more and more now let's say the plenary just happened last week uh, the yatra just happened just ended early this month and then three state elections three northeastern states were i would say for 65 or 75 years the congress were most of the time the governing party there and three elections just got over the uh, the results will only come on the second um, but yesterday were the exit polls and exit polls are not always reliable but the science doesn't look that great where after all these exercises and the grand plenary you have the first set of elections that happened in three states where 60 65 or 75 years we were in governance there and it looks like we are coming third or even worse everywhere where somebody else is winning very comprehensively and these are not good signs and 
So this is fascinating, actually, that you have said that sometimes it looks like the Congress is not interested in winning anymore. It is more interested in optics. It's about, oh, look at me. Oh, I am uh, concerned about the plight of the nation. But I mean, I, I don't get it. Politics is like a boxing match. You either knock me out or I knock you out. So these are, so this is exactly what it is where, let's say, like I said, like I come from a Congress family. I come from a Congress background. I've been following Congress politics and India's politics since I'm a child. And I do recollect the, like I was not born then, but I do hear stories and I read enough. And, you know, immediately after independence, the first 44 years, the Congress was de facto the number one party in this country without any, I would say, without any challenge also. Where in the first 44 years, except four years, that disruptive years after the emergency and that um, 89 to 91 period, 40 mm-hmm. or 44 years, the Congress ruled this country with every single second of that 40 years, the party actually having more than 50% seats, which is an absolute That's majority. a huge number. And in that initial 20, 30 years, the main opposition party in India, like the first 20 years was actually the Communist Party, which had very strong roots in Kerala, even Bengal. Across India, they were very they were a national presence at that point of time, at 40, 50, 60 seats in most of the elections. And at that point of time, their tall leaders in the parliament always used to blame Pandit Nehru, who himself was a socialist, but the narration was the Congress is only favoring Tata and Burla. <laughs> and then 75 years later, the communists have electorally become fairly irrelevant, I would say. Like, right now, you only have four seats in the parliament. Uh, maybe next... But now, 75 years later, 91, I would say, the political consciousness of the country, economic consciousness, really started changing. And then, 75 years later, we are actually saying the same thing with the communist uses. Then... Yeah, the only Tata and Birla has changed and Adani and Amani. So, names change, but the narrations haven't changed. Yeah. And I don't think... This is what the people in this country, especially the young people, this is not what they are looking for. Like I keep on saying, this is a very aspirational class, especially young people. Like they are looking for economic mobility. They are looking for social mobility, whoever it is. Like whether you are a person who is in some most rural rural areas of India or even if you are a top tier uh, entrepreneur, they are all looking to go one step higher. Even if you are a tier one um, entrepreneur who is like one of the top richest in India, you are still trying to be a global elite. Yes. When you are a middle class, you are trying to be an upper middle class person. Like a lower middle class person is trying to be a middle class person. And somebody who is in the most, let's say, downtrodden of India also, they are actually looking for better avenues of empowerment and mobility for their children, for their family. This is what India is right now where they are all looking for opportunities. At the point of time, like we trying to have the same economic narration which the Communist Party used to have in 1960, I don't think that will cut in any manner. This is my personal point of view. Maybe I could be wrong, but this is what I feel. So what do you make of the accusation hurled at the Congress constantly now that they're anti-national too now? See, again, see, Congress is a very vast organization. I wouldn't say... The whole organization is anti-national. That is not what I would believe in. Like, for example, like I was there till last week also. I, I have many of my former yeah, colleagues. Manish in Punjab. I don't think so, Manish. Yes, it's Manish is an example. Similarly, yeah. there are many examples. Like, for example, I've been interacting with many of my former colleagues, seniors. And there are many who actually are staunch nationalists. Uh, Captain Amarinder Singh was another example. I would well, say he's like part of the said. BJP now. Sadly, sadly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he was in the Congress for 50 years. <laughs> there are many, like there are, there are many, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't name, but there are many. Um, but overall, the narration I would say is not something which is aligned to our national consciousness. That much I would really agree because again, my father was India's longest defense minister. Like I, I've interacted with the armed forces and their families, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, quite a lot. So I have a natural, I would say, liking and respect, and there is a. There is a soft corner I have for the armed forces which came over time. And obviously, like, I am never happy when you have people inside the organization who suddenly starts questioning their efforts or their actions, nor 
let's say you um are there since you doubt their sincerity or any of those and then i feel hurt because i don't think this is how things should be yeah so i i actually wanted to ask you this india needs an proper opposition now it's not the job of the bjp to provide an opposition the bjp's job is to win and govern the country it's the job of the people opposing the bjp to come up with a proper plan so that they defeat the bjp having said that as a indian citizen you should be concerned that there is no opposition as a bjp voter i am very happy the party i like is winning but still as an indian i am unhappy there is no they might lose but at least the opposition has to be sound so if we were to you know because now we are going into the latter half of our discussion what do you think is a good opposition today going to be if they were to take on bjp because i don't know what the model is and see again these are very valid uh, concerns for any indian citizen because finally the strength of our democracy depends on all the pillars working absolutely properly. a strong governance a strong opposition even other a strong judiciary executive media all these are very important for a democracy to be healthy but it is not the like people the people when they are voting the people are not going to vote saying that we need a strong opposition and that is not how it works uh, for example this is why i said an example before where from independence from 47 till 1991 in 44 years in 40 years the congress had absolute majority in this country and people were not voting for the con- their opposition saying that okay we need a strong opposition people were voting for the ruling party mainly and absolutely was, and the others were too scattered point. then you had 25 years where i would say from 89 onwards till 2014 25 straight years every government that came were coalition governments yeah, post mandal and post mandal and then again all those coalition governments also all the time there was one except two three years of those one year one year um alliance government chandrashekhar gujral yes. you're talking uh, about that uh, vp singh and uh, yeah. Uh, mr devagoda yeah so other than that uh, 15 years the congress uh, had uh, the government um bjp was there for 7 years yeah um and the 22 years there was always a national party which had around quite a lot of seats i would say uh, something between 150 to 210 210, seats yeah. over a period of time and it was there to anger a government and then you had a lot of regional parties that were supporting it um but again see people never used to vote for somebody in a national election thinking that okay you will empower the opposition nobody votes for that yeah why, why would anyone vote <laughs> so, for that that's exactly. like totally counterproductive yes. and now again from 2014 once again the bjp i would say have become the de facto number one poll in indian politics and i would say the, that particular organization is getting stronger and stronger with time um and this is something which i used to tell my old colleagues in 2009 when we had 207 seats the bjp had 114 seats but we received around 10.3 crore votes and the bjp received around 8.9 crore votes but in 2014 things changed drastically it became 272 and 44 but the number of votes our 10.3 became something like 11 point something where 8.9 became 14 point something and 2019 our 11 point became 13 and there 14 point became 25 point something so it's it's almost a troubling of votes and now again 2024 i believe that around 12 to 13 crore new voters are going to be voting oh yeah so so you have a major opposition ruling party which i do think is getting stronger and stronger because it has captivated the mind especially of young indians and especially the congress party is not able to captivate the mind of that young india and this is a concern like any congressman should be concerned by that because this trajectory is actually a trajectory towards permanent irrelevance and people are not going to vote for you by saying that okay you need a strong opposition people will never do that yeah basically i think uh... so even when all these parties are coming together right now again there is an attempt to bring together opposition parties 
like there are many people who want to be holes in that world but again unless you have a proper alternative narration which actually says that okay the bjp stand for this and this is what we stand for in the front of like i am a voter like i would say like if i am comparing two things like unless this actually stands for a legit alternative or it stands for something which i believe in like i am not going to waste my vote here and again this narration cannot be okay long time back we were good and the other side is bad it has to be something else so do you think uh, more than the bjp the aam aadmi party is going to be the cause of the 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 demise of the congress eventually this is also not something which i believe in like again let's say i spoke about certain economic models of the congress which i'm i say is not something which i agree with one i would say like i would disagree with aam aadmi party's economic models even more where see again you're talking about the freebie culture that is one aspect of it again see right now what is happening in punjab that itself i do think that for the party will be a very significant setback and i seriously doubt them expanding even more than what they are actually doing it came that party came through an anti corruption movement and now you have half your ministers in jail that is not it's certainly we are in delhi right now and uh, right <laughs> now even the, the education minister of delhi uh, i don't know what has happened because the so supreme court was going to take the hearing certainly, or something this is certainly not giving confidence to like i have many amadmi party supporters and they are suddenly looking a little bewildered because I, till 2 2 3 months back the main narration was we are now coming as the second poll in indian politics are we are going to expand etc but whatever i am seeing right now maybe i could be very wrong but whatever i am seeing right now i don't think this is the greatest space for any political party to be in because that party believed in certain core that party stood for certain core fundamentals and one of them was it is an anti corruption party and certainly i don't think the current circumstances are really pointing to that then whatever is happening in punjab again is a tragedy because it's a border state yeah. it's a state where the 70s and 80s and the first two three years in 90s uh, the state had seen a lot of turbulence and then uh, in 30 years those turbulence was um, it had, it had almost ended uh, the state was very peaceful for almost 30 years and then suddenly you are seeing the uprising or something which nobody wants to see and again at this moment i would say that the state government is not doing the, the right greatest thing. of things and all these things are going to resonate and then even the economic scenario like you said like are you looking at the freebie culture it is not just a freebie culture like i do think that let's say that we are a country of 1.4 billion people and in that 1.4 billion people almost 600 million people are still in and around the poverty line so you need social nets you need welfare schemes i'm not against any of those things but finally the basic fundamentals in my head is you need to keep generating revenue before you can spend that is how it should be yeah but let's say in a state like delhi like when sheila dikshit left in 2012 13 the state actually at that point of time had around 10000 crores of surplus every year and then indian economy has actually grown quite a lot from there like for example the size of our gdp was 2 trillion in 2014 now it's 3.5 3.6 so the economy yes. has actually grown but you look at delhi the surplus which used to be around 10000 crores in 2012 is now 2000 means it's this trajectory here only a drop of 8000 crores yeah, only <laughs> so are you look at punjab suddenly in 9 months after that government took charge now already you are in such in a scenario where you can't pay your cops and teachers on time so this is definitely not looking right there also so i don't think this is the greatest model of governance and and now people are actually seeing it because already initially it stood for something but now delhi and punjab and people are already seeing through it and i don't think this can expand much that is my personal point of view like they can cut us in a lot of places like they cut us quite badly in gujarat um, but then it just made things more easier for bjp so if i was to ask you maybe this can be our last last segment what do you think the bjp can improve upon 
See, everybody can improve on law. Like, obviously, it's a like what are the BJP's mistakes? If I, I, I was basically trying to say that. See, again, nobody is uh, fi- finally in 84, the Congress had 414 seats. Oh, yeah. And sadly, because of many reasons, in five years, when the next election happened, it got reduced to 189. So things can change very fast. So, and nobody can afford to be complacent in any manner. Like last time, 272 US, this time, 300, 303. But, um, but one, I would say, uh, see, there are, see, you are looking at our economy. Unemployment, despite whatever people say, it's a concern because it's a young India. It's a young India where every month almost 1.2 million people enter the employment stream. The job market. So that is almost what 15 million a year. And the number of formal jobs uh, in one of the last segments I have seen that was generated in the country was in lakhs, in a few single lakhs. So that is less than. 10% of the number of people who are actually entering the employment stream. Maybe the others are finding part-time employment. Maybe the others are uh, getting into different employment guarantee schemes. I don't know. Or the, it could be construction jobs. It could be gigs. But this is not a very nice number also. like You need to focus on creating that blue-collar formal employment. Or else it it's not a very stable foundation, I would say. Uh, two, we are the fastest growing economy in the world, and that is something which is very good. But you look at, let's say, uh, what China had been doing from early 90s, from 90 to, I would say, around 2015, 16, in the 26 years, except two, three years, the country actually grew at around 12 to 15 percent. Or 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 percent. It was double digits for two decades. Yeah. And we cannot be complacent by saying that we are growing at 5, 6, 7 percent because finally I do think that our window to actually be a middle income country at some point of time depends a lot on what we do in the next decade. Maybe two decades, three decades. And after that, again, we also just like what China is having now. We will also start being a middle-aged and a later an old country. This is our peak of youth. So right now our median age is about 27, 28. Yes. Um, I think our population growth has slowly started coming down. But it will st- Yeah, they say by 2050 our yes. population is going to start actually falling. Yes, falling. So we have the 30-year window, just like now China's population has started coming down. Similarly, we we have a 30-year window. And Despite us being the fifth largest economy in the world, which is again commendable, but still we are, our size of the economy is still in and around where Japan and Germany is, where their population is Rajasthan's population and Bihar's population. We are still a lower middle income country. We need to be a middle income country, upper middle income country. And for that, we need to actually grow at a faster pace. Five, six, seven percent is actually not good enough. It's... 10, 11, 12% is actually required. And it has to be done in a continuous basis for many, many years for us to actually be even where China is right now in 20, 30 years' time. So we need to have that in our mind. Mm. So if if your old colleagues and the old unit calls you back, would you consider it? See, unless something drastically changes, no. So then if I was to ask you literally the last question, what's next? So this is something which I also don't know. Like I said, like <laughs> things things happened very fast last month after spending uh, five years as a party uh, office bearer and worker and 30 years from the first day I was born into a Congress family, suddenly a lot of things changed. And it changed within a matter of two, three days. And this was not something which I was expecting. So at this moment, like I said, like, I'm not very happy with the, I was not very happy with the direction the Congress party was having. And like I said, like it is not standing for things which is aligned to this country's political, economic, social or cultural consciousness. The party needs to change or 
it is a route to further and it will be a downward spiral which will keep going down like 2014 something happened 2019 the number of seats was more but you look at the vote share and the difference between the number 1 and number 2 party it actually increased quite a lot and i would say 2024 i wouldn't be surprised if the same trajectory continues so this is going to be the i do think that this is going to be the trajectory of the party unless you have a solid course correction but will it happen i don't know because we elected a president in july it's february it's 7 8 months then there was a plenary but in that 7 8 months and the plenary and all the new things the party is saying like i i do feel that everything is meant to maintain status quo and status quo is not the answer for everything you need to change and you need to change drastically if you need to compete because right now i feel that we are an organization that is still trying to let's say tell the public that nokia 2300 is very good while there are <laughs> while there are smartphones around this just can't work so the if there is a drastic change in hardware and software i'm open to once again contributing towards that but at this moment no yeah i i hear i hear what you're saying uh, like i said it's not the job of the bjp to provide uh, a sensible opposition to the country it's the job of the opposition to do that do, do the mm. hard yards but yeah as an indian we 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 can say uh, you know we should be concerned but what's happening with the opposition in the country but uh, anil i i i really i'm grateful to you that you have spoken so freely and uh, you have shared your concerns and I, and i'm glad you also pointed out the problems inside the bjp because mo- most of the times what happens is that these days it's actually funny there's a running joke inside bjp voters that the only opposition bjp gets is from bjp voters no that's why i said like people can be unforgiving where from 414 seats you went to 189 very fast even in 2004 um the india shining campaign and the bjp yeah, was expected to work. come back but the initial projections 6 months before the election was 200 plus and finally it was 139 and 145 for the congress then so things can change very fast if you don't keep delivering so uh, like i said like econ- things can improve in every aspect even uh, like even security also like sometimes i feel that you need to be tougher on certain scenarios and certain stronger messages have to be given like for example what is happening in punjab right now like sometimes greater initiatives have to be taken there to prevent certain things from spilling over or be going back to where it was in the 80s or 90s or 70s that is not something which the country should ever go through uh, i couldn't agree more with you anil it is an absolute pleasure to talk to you thank you very much for coming and i wish you all the best in whatever the future holds thank you thank you right now everything is an uncertainty but i am sure that everything will life has its own course that's what i am a firm believer of yeah i i i i hope it uh, it is for the betterment of the country because uh, india would need more people like you in politics uh, so guys we'll wrap today's podcast uh, again uh, you can follow anil on social media i'll leave all his uh, details in the description and as far as i'm concerned you know the drill like subscribe comment become a member buy the merch i'll see you guys next time until then namaste take care thank Bye. you thank you